Welcome to Forward Talks, a podcast by Gumbuk on moving towards sustainability in the region and beyond. I'm Tatiana Antonelli. By now, I believe you're listening to this podcast in the comfort of your home, unless you are in an essential service industry, and we're all coming to terms with the spread of the novel coronavirus and its impacts. Over the next few weeks, we hope to share more conversations about the various issues the pandemic has highlighted, from business practices that affect us to how we may look to rebuild once its effects are contained. Today, I'm joined by Tenzi Dalam, Managing Director of Earth Matters. They are a consultancy focusing on strategy and advisory services to help find practical solutions around climate crisis and human development. To start off, I wanted to understand his thoughts on climate change and how they are enabling the businesses they work with. So since um, human beings have been on this planet, to thrive we have uh, required a stable climate. So when we first started um, settling as human beings, we started um, harvesting timber, we started uh, growing food, domesticating animals, and that already, this was um, many thousands of years ago, resulted in the climate becoming more stable for a period where human beings could thrive. And we've resulted, as we've grown and developed into bigger economies and countries, and especially through the Industrial Revolution, where we found coal and other types of fossil fuels like gas and oil, that thirst for energy for development has really resulted in more and more greenhouse gas emissions like carbon dioxide entering the atmosphere. Um, and that's changed profoundly the composition of our atmosphere and how much heat is trapped in the planet. So we're adding more and more to these heat trapping greenhouse gases and that's resulting in more heat being trapped and the temperature of the planet uh, on average to increase and that's increasing further and further and that's destabilizing our climate as we know it so we're seeing more and more intense hurricanes happening hurricane seasons record hurricanes we're seeing more and more storm surges we're seeing sea levels rising we're seeing ice caps melting and this is all as a result of human activities so climate change is that long-term change that we're seeing and we've historically seen now for quite some time and that's projected to increase further in the future unless we do something about it urgently. Um, so now with uh, the Agenda 2030, we are all asked to uh, start acting upon the way we do business, the way we live, in order to uh, reduce the temperature increase in the next years. Um, some people say it's too late, some people say we still have time. Um, can, what is really the reality here? Well, the reality is we're not doing anywhere near enough what needs to happen. And this is a global situation in that sense. Um, some need to do more than others, like the US, the Europe, Canada and your developed countries. But also you have rapidly growing countries like China and India and Brazil who have a large share and growing share of emissions. It's a development challenge as well. So in terms of how do you make sure the needs of your people are still met in a way that's cleaner, because we can't afford for a China to go down the same path as Europe and the US did since the Industrial Revolution. Otherwise, we burn up everything that we have. It's, it's, yeah, that's, the, that's the tragedy that, that, that needs to be decoupled. So we need to have much more renewable energy at scale being deployed. We need to see a greater reduction in subsidies 
that's given to fossil fuels and, and even to farming and agriculture that's causing a destruction of nature. Um, we need to see much more um, finance and the money going towards cleaner projects. Um, businesses, um, especially those involved in extracting and producing fossil fuels, be it coal, oil or gas, ultimately their business models need to change. And um, we can't afford to keep, uh, I mean, afford in terms of from a planetary perspective and human beings surviving on this planet perspective, we can't afford to keep keep going in this way. Uh, essentially, at the core of it means moving away from coal, oil and gas as a source of our energy by the middle of this century at the latest. That's what the science from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change shows. And what is being done? Well, countries around the world are beginning to increase their uptake of renewable energy, solar power, wind power. That's very positive. Even in this region, you know, you see um, the UAE and in Abu Dhabi, one of the biggest solar power plants in the world being built, um, the solar PV plant in Dubai. So that's happening. People are encouraging um, buildings to be more efficient, energy efficient, to use less energy. Um Electric vehicles are beginning to come on the market, so policies, incentives are beginning to put in, be, be put in place. Businesses themselves are beginning to take action that's actually further ahead than governments. So um, Microsoft, for example, have set a target to be carbon negative by 2030, which is way more ambitious than any country has put in place so far in the world. And they're also pledging to be to reduce all of their historical emissions from when they first were founded in like the early 1970s. So this is a massive corporation, global in nature. We probably all use Microsoft products. I'm not plugging their products, but I'm saying we probably all do. And they're making this kind of a pledge. So it shows corporates can take the lead and do a lot more as well. Cumulatively, is that enough? All of it, what's happening right now? No. Um, and that's the big challenge that's facing governments and businesses around the world. I'd say the two governments and businesses have the most important role to play. Um, you, you hear a lot of discussion happening about saying, well, we need to change people's behavior. And yes, I agree, individual responsibility is important. But if 100 corporations, 100 of the biggest corporations around the world got together to take action to reduce their emissions, to, have, to you know take the issue more seriously compared to 7 billion people, it's much easier to change the habits and culture and practice of 100 corporations and 7 billion people. I mean, corporations nowadays are sometimes larger in terms of, you know, revenues and, uh, and employees and some other countries. And they play a huge role in, um, in one, on one side polluting, but on the other side taking action and, posit and having a, a positive impact. Uh, and they're faster somehow in terms of action, they can act faster maybe than governments that have, you know, more bureaucracy and, and it's it's more difficult to put policies in place compared to a corporation. Absolutely. Yes, you're right. And that's where the corporate mindset is so important to making faster decisions, to implementing things. If they see a good business case, you know, if you're a company that can supply products more cleanly and efficiently, be it kind of um, food that's locally produced that has a lower carbon footprint than food that's imported from elsewhere that could give you a competitive edge and you can help drive consumer behavior change as well. So um, more and more people are looking for sustainable alternatives. They're wanting brands to um, stand for better, 
for, a, for more social good and for more environmental good practices. So there's a lot of surveys done among millennials and other kind of younger generation of people who are demanding this kind of change. So companies which are forward thinking um, will adapt to that and are already beginning to do that. But then some will just take the regulatory approach, the stick to get them to change as well, which also requires government intervention. So you've been working in the past uh, 12, 12 years here in the UAE, uh, now through your own company, Earth Matters, but also previously with um, EWS, WWF uh, in Abu Dhabi. Have you seen more engagement from companies and, and um, maybe more dedication into really uh, making a difference rather than maybe before talking about it, creating awareness, but not really taking the real yeah. steps? Um Yes, I, I'd say I have. And I think that's a very positive trend you're seeing in the UAE. These companies are beginning to, you know, when I first moved here, you essentially just had Mazda as the only kind of beacon of hope. And um, and that began to change and that catalyzed a lot more kind of movement among corporates, among the government to create supporting policies. Um, there are still some businesses who just talk the talk, not walk the talk. And, you know, kind of seeing it as kind of greenwash, I won't name any here in that sense, but just I'd say to those businesses who just kind of look at it as a reputational issue, um, you will be found out. You know, people on social media will call you out. There's a much more active younger generation who are looking for tangible action on the ground. And the tangible action makes business sense. Um, you know, just look around us now in Dubai, there's this Etihad Esco, which is putting in place this big demand side management energy efficiency retrofit program for buildings people are requesting these services they're seeing the business case they're implementing that they're measuring what the impact is they're seeing that return being paid back um, and that's been structured by the government to enable the growth of that market you're seeing more and more energy savings companies coming up who are providing these sorts of services that's the kind of kind of a nice ecosystem of business for good that we want to see here and more and more. What are the other initiatives put in place by the government to support uh, companies uh, and also individuals maybe to, you know, do the right thing and maybe move into uh, alternative energy? Recently, finally in Dubai, we are able to put solar panels on our villa's uh, roof, uh, but still not many people are aware of it. Somehow there's a lack of information. A lot is being done and put in place, but we don't know about it. Well, I think it's an exciting time to probably be a startup in this area because the government is beginning to um, lift a lot of the practical barriers that businesses face in startup costs. If you're in tech, for example, in Abu Dhabi, the government, the Environment Agency of Abu Dhabi, along with the Department for Economic Development, have launched the TIP EnviroTech um, program which is um, a program looking at uh, companies that are startups or kind of at the early stage of their development as a company involved in climate change, in energy, in ocean conservation, plastic cleanup, who are creating innovative solutions. And they enter this competition that's assessed. And as a result, if you win, you get money available for your business to actually start trialing and upscaling its solution. That didn't used to exist before. And that's, I think, at the heart of transforming the economy away from an oil-based economy to support the growth of these new sectors within here. So that's really positive to see. And I think people can get involved. It's just maybe, you know, not as well publicized, but, you know, have a look on their website. There's a lot of interesting things out there. The other things that's um, beginning to happen as well is 
you, you mentioned the solar power program for rooftop. Um, also, the government a few years ago announced um, a series of accelerator projects, which is run through the prime minister's office in, in Dubai um, for electric vehicles. So they got together banks, they got together businesses, um, they got together, you know, like the car providers, for example, banks, as well as uh, transport regulatory authorities and so on to provide incentives that can lift some of the barriers. So you see around us now, if you buy an electric car, you have two years of free charging and there's a lot more electric car charging stations now. Um, and if you can get that for free, that's already immediately reduces your operational expenditure. Banks are like, uh, I think there were a few banks, I don't know the names, who are offering low interest loans for you to purchase those electric cars as well. Yes, they cost a lot more. And that's an issue of the market and uh, possibly taxation schemes that could be differentiated. Um, but still, those are some of those practical incentives that, that people are beginning to kind of stimulate the market towards a different way of consumption, which I think is positive. Right now, we are living a very special moment worldwide uh, because of the coronavirus. And here in Dubai, we've been already two weeks in some sort of distancing and uh, we've seen offices you know shutting down people asking to work from home um somehow there is a link and today in the news uh, uh i think in the guardian there was a very good article talking about the nature of the virus and how it's related to to the environment and to the way we exploit resources um and i know you have uh, you shared this article this morning on linkedin you know, I always think about these things in terms of what's really the root cause behind this. And while the evidence hasn't yet concluded this, but most kind of scientists and medical opinion at the moment is congregating around the fact that this virus jumped from an animal to humans, kind of like other um, uh, other coronaviruses have done, like SARS um, and MERS as well, from camels to humans. And the article that I shared had in there some findings from different scientists and a new report um, there's a whole discipline around planetary health, how the planet's health affects human health and vice versa, and, um, and how we are really interconnected with nature. But if we're living increasingly in disharmony with nature, there will be things that will happen to affect, to impact our population. So a lot of the, the concerns around pandemics or other diseases affecting people are the fact that they can jump from, from wild animal populations to human beings. So um, whether it's through illegal trade of wildlife, live animals that get poached from, from, from habitats and, and so on, uh, to live animal markets where growing populations have, and their increased demand for meat is leading people to forage further and further into wild animals populations to bring them to markets to feed people. Um, that can cause perfect situations for viruses and other diseases to jump to humans because once we start destroying that population or its ecosystem the viruses need a new host to thrive so um for me I, when i was looking at that I was, okay well why don't we stop destroying nature it's so important we rely on nature for many goods and services that it provides to us um if we and, and it's a simple thing to say but it's a hard thing for do to do because we haven't been succeeding in doing that. You look at the rate of deforestation, what's happening in Brazil. You look at the growth in wildlife trade, illegal trade of wildlife, and, um, and how that's not being curbed effectively. 
um, the Chinese government announced after the the, um, the COVID out, uh, outbreak in, in Wuhan that they would close for the first time these live animal markets. So that's a really, really positive step that they're taking. So, um, so, but we need to, once this kind of, hopefully this crisis will stop soon and we, we need to look profoundly at how we've structured our, our societies uh, around the destruction of nature and try to change that model completely. Um, we're practicing different ways of working right now and it shows there are different ways in which we can work. We don't, we don't have to travel five hours to go to a one hour meeting in a flight when you can do that by, by a web conference. Um, the FaceTime is important, but a meeting couldn't necessarily be done on the phone, or maybe you just need an email to replace that meeting. So if we can look at this as a lesson of how we can live more sustainably, live in a different way that's, and still operate, that, that can only be a good thing, I think. So we have to look at how we can get positive lessons from this situation as well. Looking at these satellite images of areas uh, around China and, and Europe, specifically Wuhan and, and the north of Italy right now, comparing what was going on two weeks ago in terms of energy demand, CO2 emissions, air pollution, and suddenly, sometimes just after a week, everything is clean, the air is pure again, somehow nature is taking over because it has been given the opportunity to somehow thrive again. And do you think when hopefully this coronavirus situation is under control, humans are going to understand that they, that they can act that, or they're going to go back to consuming and taking all the resources of our planet? I profoundly hope so, because it shows the, that nature can restore itself and it just needs to be given the space to do so. Um, you know, we, we don't wish this kind of situation to be prevalent enough for, 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 for the emissions to reduce, if you know what I mean. It should be done in a situation where people are happy and healthy. And, um, but you, know, you, you mentioned about China, you look at the reduction in their emissions as a result of this and, and the result, re reduction of the air pollutants that are going. And it shows for me again, this we have, we have been addicted to use of fossil fuels that has to change that produces most of the pollution that we see around the world um, the way in which we live and operate our economies is based on this addiction to carbon-based fuels and that has to change and this shows that it can be done um, and it, it can have the restorative effect that we're looking for but if it can be done in a way where we re-inject that money into cleaner sectors of the economy cleaner growth that doesn't rely in burning, you know, um, these sorts of resources, then it can be sustained. Um, my worry at the moment is if a lot of, you know, it's also happening at a time when there's a financial downturn happening around the world. You look at the stock markets and for example, and countries announcing stimulation packages to prop up their economies and their businesses. If that money is no longer going towards clean, cleaner sectors, that necessarily doesn't mean we'll go back to it. It probably means we won't. We, the emissions might spike again in the future. And that's the worry, I guess, is how sustainable this situation is. Um, our economies have been dependent on these fuels for so long and we have to change them, change it. 
Are we humans the real virus of the planet? Well, if you ask certain animals, maybe they'll say that. The way we've been destroying them and their habitats. You know, um, they've been around on this planet much longer than human beings have. So we have a lot to learn from nature and we are from nature. So if we don't respect nature and, and give it space to regenerate and rewild, um, it will negatively affect us. We can't insulate ourselves in, in, um, in bubbles away from nature to create our own atmosphere and have our own kind of, you know, manufactured environment and, and think we can keep living and be happy in that way. Um, we need to give space to nature to regenerate and grow. Um, that means rewilding areas, that means reforesting areas, that means, you know, um, not allowing major developments to destroy pristine areas of mangroves or seagrass habitats because they are really important hotbeds for biodiversity and wildlife, which we should, we thrive on and we rely on. You know, a lot of the medicinal plants that we haven't even discovered are, are resi residing in our rainforests and if we're destroying them, we won't be able to discover that and that could be the next cure for cancer or, or for other sorts of human diseases or viruses, potentially even um, new sources of um, antibiotics. That kind of value um, that nature provides, we, we take for granted. So um, I think it requires us to change profoundly philosophically how we look at the planet and our place within that to be more humble and not think we're masters of nature. <laughs> Let's say... Six months from here, we're all, you know, better humans and we're taking the right steps to, to have a, a better impact on our planet. What can we do here in the UAE? If you do these five things, you, really, really, you will reduce your impact on the planet. You will actually uh, do the right thing. My first message is to CEOs of big companies here who haven't taken steps yet to develop strategies or plans on environmental issues, be it climate change or, um, or how much of an impact they have on nature, is to do an audit. Find out what your impact is. And once you can measure what your impact is, you can then find, figure out ways in which you can manage it. And there are lots of practical things you can do. Um, I think the profitability or how we term profits for a business is rapidly going to evolve in people's mindsets to be more than just about economic profit. Profit for nature, profit for people is very different. You know, if you're providing a service that helps people be more healthy, um, if you're uh, reducing, if you're producing a car that can result in a lower level of PM 2.5 or NOx emissions because it's fully electric and locally produced, for example, that's a much better value you're providing. And I think your share prices will only be better as a result of that. And if you don't do it now, you will be held to action by young people and others around who are much more active now and requesting this. Secondly, I'd say um, as individuals and consumers, hold your brands to account. You know, so many of them have social media accounts and, and, and so on. Ask them questions about how sustainable their products are, um, what impact it has. Um, request this information when you're buying things from your supermarkets. Um, even, you know, when you're buying products, you know, and I have this issue in my local supermarket, I buy cheese there and they always give it to me in a disposable single-use plastic tray. And I ask them, 
please don't give me that in my tray. In that tray, I've got this box. And they look at me like I'm a weirdo. And um, But I'm persisting with that. So don't feel afraid to stand out from the crowd because that's how real change can happen. And when you start doing that, the positive changes can happen around you. If you speak to your friends and your family, that kind of social change can happen quite quickly. Um, yeah, so I'd say those are two important messages. And I think also to policymakers here, if I may as well, um, I think they've been very forward thinking in, in trying to address it much. And the UAE is a leader in this region, um, but not necessarily a leader in the world in dealing with these issues. So I'd say look at the best practices and don't be afraid of setting more bold and ambitious goals. Um, set a carbon reduction target. Um, you know, countries around the world are looking for net zero emissions by 2050. Um, companies are doing that as well. So it might sound like a profound challenge for an economy like the UAE, which is so oil-based, but why can't they set a target to be net zero? Wouldn't that be really inspiring for change and a transition here um, and accelerate that change which is already happening you know and so I think think optimistically that you can do this and I think you can make it happen but leadership comes from the top that's all we have for you on this episode of forward talks you can find more about earth matters by visiting their website earth-matters.net and we'll also link to the article Tanzid refers to in our show notes We hope you're all staying safe and if you're looking for something to catch up on, you can find all of our episodes in your podcast players or on the web at goombook.com slash podcast. We'd love to connect with you and hear how you might be rethinking your businesses in this new era. Connect with us on Instagram at goombook, that's G-O-U-M-B-O-O-K. Thank you.